Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Deeply Rooted Business Podcast. My name is Jess. I'm your ops guru, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Rachel, our marketing mastermind. What do we call you? I don't know. Our marketing architect. I don't know. Mark. I've been really embracing this ecosystem type messaging. So maybe I just go into a garden type energy. Marketing gardener. I have been very into gardening lately as far as like my themes. Like I just did redid my website. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's all about making space for growth. So it's got plants and inviting different business stages into rooting, sprouting, and blossoming. I'm aligned with this ghost system earthy theme that we've got going on. (laughs) All right. So today we're talking about one of my most favorite subjects and things to talk about is goal. Competition is one of my main strengths finders and achiever is also a strength in my strength finders. I don't know if you've done your strength finders before, Um, but basically it's like an assessment that they would make us do corporate find your top five string and matches you with like what roles and responsibilities that you would like be good at and i've got like achiever activator and competition so hitting and achieving goals is like so motivating for me that was one of my most favorite things at corporate was like going in every morning and opening up my store my district scorecard to see if we number one in the company because i am a highly competitive person that's something i actually missed too when I made the transition is like, no one's being saying, like, are you doing a good job? You just have to like, I guess have your on the back. There's no score tracker or anything like that. Really. But yeah. So today we're going to be talking about how to set goals the right way or how to set more intentional goals. Because yeah. one of the things that we have noticed or that I see happen or I've even been victim of is like setting these arbitrary goals because it's based on, like things we think we should do to be successful or things we think will make us happy. Or I remember Rachel talking about her goal of launching and how she hated every second of it. But it was like, I've been there too. It's like you're at that point in your business. It's like, this is what you're supposed to do now. You're, you're being launching. So we're going to be talking about how to set more intentional goals. Yeah. And I think it's really important to keep that train of thought of one, not setting yourself up for failure when you're establishing your goals, which is why we are focused on saying these are intentional goals. Because a lot of time when it comes to business, we make a long list full of goals and we don't understand that a goal is a project and a project has 15, 20 tasks that come with each goal. And it's not just one line item on your to-do list. And so ultimately it's reverse engineering so that you make progress, make growth in your business without having this kind of like looming failure of, oh, I didn't reach my goals. It's like, if you would have set reasonable goals, you surpass them, but you set these very unreasonable ones and yeah, yeah, made yourself feel like crap about it. So (laughs) we're kind of break this down into three different parts for the why, the what, and the how. I know we've heard of like smart goals before and you have to have this and this. Our intentional goals, you have to have the why, the what, and the how defined. Um, And that's what we're going to go through today. So we're going to start, start with the why, which part of setting an intentional goal is that it has to be connected to your core desire or your deeper why. 
Because when you set out to achieve anything new, I think you're going to hit roadblocks, you're going to hit obstacles, you're going to get bored. There's going to be things that are not so fun to do. And I think when you're truly connected to that deeper desire, deeper why, that's going to give you the motivation to push through it. There's this rooted element to it that if it's connected to your kind of values or your desires or your lifestyle, that it's more, it's possible to achieve it on a higher level because there are so many more motivating factors to do it rather than, oh, I just want to reach this revenue income of the year. And you're like, why? And you're like, oh, I just, I don't know. But if you're like, I financially need to pay myself this much money to pay my bills, to take this trip, there's like this rooted element that's like, okay, that's a non-negotiable. We have to push forward with this goal type thing. So it's just really important to remember that rooted reason for it. Yeah. And I think another way that you could go about doing this is that when I was in Athleta, we'd have conferences every year, but the one year they went all out for us and they actually brought in, I don't know if you know who Danielle Laporte is, but she has this book called The Desire Map and it walked us through like a process of setting goals, but it started with the feeling first and then Mm -hmm. working backwards from that. How do you want to feel? And I think ultimately when we set these arbitrary goals, like we say, oh, I want to hit $500,000. That's like, why do you want to hit $500,000. What is the feeling behind that? Is it because you want to feel more financially secure or you want to be able to have more fun in your life or you want to do this? So if you go back to the deeper why behind it, you may not have to hit $500,000 to have financial security, to have more fun. There could be a bunch of different ways that you could go about achieving that. So when you Mm -hmm. start down one path of trying to hit that and it doesn't work out for you, then there's like another experiment or another way that you could try. I was actually thinking about this like me and you because I think both of us, we've talked about this before, where we've reached the stage in our business where we're like capped out. We we have to make changes if we want to level up to the next income tier or the next level of success of entrepreneurship. And so that's both of our goals. But I think right now we're both being pulled in different directions to do that, where I see you shifting into more of an agency model and adding on teams and that kind of thing. I'm more exploring, can I do this without a team and maybe lean into like content creation and affiliate marketing and influencer marketing and making templates where it's like I'm trying to really build some of that more passive where you like want to manage a team. And I think that comes back to like core values. And my core values is freedom and flexibility. And for me, when I see a team and being responsible for a team, that doesn't feel like as flexible as if I could explore this. But maybe I'll be wrong and I'll be like, do you need a team? Because this is not giving me freedom and flexibility ever either. But like I'm exploring like that avenue to help me achieve like my ultimate goal, which is freedom, flexibility. Yeah, I think there is something too, like on the like online space type messaging for when it comes to these kind of like arbitrary goals that we see people setting pretty consistently throughout business or maybe just in early business is like you hear a lot like the 5k months the 10k months this type of like they try to align it with values they're like more freedom more flexibility leave your nine to five and ditch corporate you're miserable there 
and you'll be so free and you'll do this. And like, there's that marketing manipulation to it. And then they have attached it to what feels like a very tangible goal, which is that 5K, 10K. But just like you're saying, there are so many nuances and components to understanding, is this actually going to be how I want to grow a business? Is this the area that I want to take on more responsibility with? Is, am I, is it actually going to give me more freedom if I don't have a team or if I do this kind of thing? So I think that's probably one of the most important things is that when you see these people throwing out these numbers on the internet, <laughs> like consumed by it, maybe align it closely, more closely with what you desire in your life, your core values and your actual why. Because it is, man, it gets so, you get whiplashed with all these numbers out there that feel like goals and they're not. They're just marketing messages. Or they're means goals, not end goals. If you can ever follow, did I get that guy? Means goals. Oh, Vishen Lakiani, he talks about means goals versus end goals. And if your end goal is just to have flexibility and fun, then the means goal is the money to get you there. But you could also have flexibility and fun with without that. Um, and we're going to share a couple of prompts at the end of each section to help you navigate them. Um, and one of the questions that I really love to explore when I'm setting a goal is what am I willing to give up or not give up to make this goal possible? Because with everything, there's going to be a give and take. So I really love coming back on that question to figure out, is this worth pursuing or does this feel aligned with what my values are? One last thing to add to the why, because I think it's really important, is that question of enough. I think this is someplace where this needs to get added into. Just mentioned earlier, last year in business, I was at this point where I need to grow the business. I need to do this. Immediate response was to launch a program. And kind of go through that. And I think a lot of people get stuck with when they're hitting or when they're setting these goals of, oh, I want $500,000 or I want a 10K month or whatever. And really not having a solid like what is enough? What has the goal surpassed in order for it to be like, okay, I feel good with this win. I think a lot of times as business owners, we can get stuck on this kind of ongoing forever chase. Yeah. And chasing and moving the finish line. So enough needs to be established in your intentional goals so that you can move forward with a true celebration because you achieved it instead of sabotaging yourself by moving that finish line and never celebrating. That's how burnout happens. I love that you brought that up. My business coaches, the Zooks at Wandering Gameplay, they talk about this enough number a lot and not establishing an arbitrary goal. Like one of the exercises they have you go write down everything you spend money on or would like to spend money on in the future and get a real number. Because a lot of times we think we need $500,000 to live our dream life when actuality, if you like add everything up, it's nowhere near that amount that you could be happy with. So some of the prompts that we like to think about um, when we're talking about the why is, you know, what do you want to feel at the end of the year? And usually it's going to start with like, what do you don't want to feel? And then you'll just have to reframe that. It's like, I don't want to feel burnt out. So I want to feel ease. And I think this is where Rachel had brought up word of the year. That part comes in as well, like invoking that feeling. Yeah. Have you set your word of the year yet? I think we talked about this before. What, what was it? Okay. So my word of the year last year was blossom, but I did not blossom. But I think this year, I think I just want to be a lot more intentional, which is what we're talking about right now. 
feel like I was running like really fast last year, like trying to do things really fast. And that's like my nature. I just talked about my taxes. I'm going to go back and finish everything up. It's all that stuff. <laughs> but it's like, I want to go a little more slower and make real connections. And the things that I do have a lot of thought and intention behind them rather yeah. than not a lot of quantity stuff. Yeah. What about you? My word is growth this year, and it is intentional growth, but also we're pushing it. We're going. It's a definitely a push season for me, but it's going to be exciting. And I'm really like, I feel good for it. Yesterday was, or yesterday, <laughs> last year was such a pullback year. I stayed, I like my- yeah, I stayed so steady with like out year over year. I think I was like maybe $500 short. It was steady. And it felt good, but it was also a very busy year personally. So this year I'm ready to like pedal to the metal kind of thing, see what happens. Cause all I can, all I get my enough goal is last year's revenue. That's fine. If I can hit that again, like I already know I can, like steady. But, but yeah, so I'm excited. It's gonna be a fun year. All right. So some more prims. So we already talked about what do you wanna feel? What would success look like to you? One of the coaches that I follow, her name's Jess McKinley. She's great, um, but she has you write a letter to your future self, like at the end of the year, next year, telling you like how proud of yourself you are for all these things. Um, so I feel like that's like tapping into like what would success look like to you? What about this goal is important to you? That's connecting it to the deeper one. We already talked about what are you willing to give up or not give up to get that goal. So those are like some journaling prompts that you could mull over when you are thinking about setting your goals for the new year. I recommend to people as you're setting these kind of no more than four four goals of the year. Don't overload yourself, but using these prompts for every single like if it's a revenue goal, like what does success look like for you then? What does enough look like for you then? If you're setting an emotional goal of pushing through something that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable, what does success look like? Does you get halfway through and then maybe bailed? Because maybe the last times you only got 10% through, like really asking these questions and like these prompts through every single goal that you establish. I think it's really well, key. Especially with the revenue goal, because a lot of times as a mom, I know I could make more money, but right now I need to be able to log off at 2.30 and go pick up kids. So it's like, what am I willing to give up? And it doesn't make me beat myself up about not hitting a revenue number making it more as much money as my peers are. I'm like intentionally deciding I'm not giving that up to be able to hit that goal. And then I've only got a kid for like four more years. My mom says you never get rid of him, but I don't think I'm a teenager here for four more years. So then after after that, we can blow it up. Next area is what? And I think we're going to just nerd off on this one. I think we need to stay focused on this. I'm going to preemptively say that because it's something that you and I can both talk about. Yeah, I put here with my little notes to kick this off. It's like the what is what is the actual goal you're setting? And when you're setting these goals, we want to be ambitious, like so that we'll be motivated to do it. But also balancing that it is rooted in current and past death. Example of this would be I had, let's say I booked 50 sales calls last year. I want to book 100. That feels crazy. That's like, okay, that's nearly doubling it. I would say add it at like incremental. Look in the past, say the year before that, how many did I book? 
What was the percentage lift that I did from that year to this year? And what can I reasonably do from this year to next year is the way to go about it. I think a lot of times people get stuck in these numbers and just throw things and they have no reason or logic behind it. We've talked about this time and time again with people launching. I'm going to make $100,000. I'm like, ma'am, your product is $100. That means you have to have more leads that are in your audience and more leads that are ever even aware of you. That's not reasonable. It's not rooted in data, current or past. Yes. And I know it's not fun. And I love division board too. And yes, magical things can happen. But I think if you're just setting these goals, like the 100 sales calls one, my first question is like, do you even have enough time on your calendar to do 50 more sales calls a year? How would we make that even possible and happen? And then two, you have nothing to track towards to say if you're doing a good or, or not a good job because you're not setting up key benchmark in the first place. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's if you have it don't know about the benchmarks that we recommend, go listen to the late, like literally last episode because it is one of those that we dive so deeply into the core metrics that are so important to understanding. If you're talking about sales calls, you need to understand conversion from those sales calls. You need to understand journey to booking that sales call. What does that look like? Um, we try not to jam every episode with all of these numbers and KPIs. So go listen to that one. It's definitely one of my favorites that we've done. Here's some questions if you're just want to dive in and journal into this. So how did I track towards this goal last year? So looking back at those benchmarks, what does the data say has worked and has not worked before? Can you build on previous wins? Are some ambitious but reasonable goals based to set on all of that? And then thinking about two different ways that you could reach that goal. So if we go back to the $100,000 years, there's a bunch of different ways that you can go to reach those goals. But the easiest way would probably be looking back to see what worked in the past and doing that mostly. And then if you want to experiment with other things, you can add on that as well. And I take my business, for example, I have this new offer called Seasonal Reset. And it's like a mini business retreat for everybody, but it hasn't been tested yet. So I'm not going to go all in. I'm going to make $100,000 this year based on my seasonal reset. I'm going to hang on to my retainer clients because I know that's work. And then I'm going to start to pepper this and gradually shift towards that way. And that's where it's like that rooted in reality is super important. Something uh, to to not live in the business shoulds. So the business shoulds would be something like, okay, I need to launch a new program or I need to create a new offer. I need to do whatever the things that the shiny object syndrome is telling you to do. I think these, the what in your ambitious goals, this is super important so that you can lean into one, what works for you because you're going to be rooted in that past data. You can say, my lead sources last year were A, B, and C. And you're not going to come into this year and be like, I'm going to put all my energy into D. I'm like, ma'am, D wasn't even on the table last year. A held 60%. So why don't we lean more into this if we're talking about growth? Because I think there's so many things that I hear people say, oh, start a TikTok, start this and start that. And it's we need to lean into reality and lean into what we know works. And 
then once we have what what works, then we can experiment, we can explore and live more into that creative zone of expansion. But when we're setting these goals, it's really important to stay rooted in reality. Yeah. And simplicity wins. You do not have to create any new offers if you have something that works. The most successful client I have has one offer. She's been doing the same offer for three years. She's got it down to a science. We've got launching down to a science now. It takes very minimal energy. Everything is fine-tuned. And that has opened up more space in her life to pursue other things outside of business that she wanted to do. You don't have to do new stuff to be successful. But I think there's a lot of pressure because when you do new stuff, you need to hire more people. <laughs> so everyone in the online space wants you to do new stuff. But if, if you're called to it, do it. But you don't have to do it if you're not feeling called to it. Totally. So jumping into our last criteria is the how. And I think this one gets missed a lot. This is my project. gap. This is my biggest gap. The show. <laughs> tech manager. I see that. I'm like, okay, but how are we going to do this? And the, the clients come to me with these big goals and ideas. And I'm like, okay, so how are we going to do it? Let's schedule it out. And then it's like, I have to actually do it. The how is about putting the support and resources in place to actually achieve your goals. That's what makes it intentional because anybody can write a goal down on paper, but it's another thing to actually begin to take action and put together the things that are going to help you do this. Um, no, like, running a business when you're doing client work, you're going to get pulled all in different directions. And normally a new goal is like a nice to do, not a have to do. If you launch your program, you're not going to be destitute. It's a nice to do. But those things are the things that get pushed aside first. So that's why it's really important to put the support around your goals to actually make them happen. That starts with scheduling time and space on your calendar to actually get it done. And then more importantly, like when it comes to that time block, protecting that time block and yeah. actually doing. Don't add 10 goals to your list because each goal comes with five to 10 tasks. This is where that scheduling is implemented because those individual tasks and the to-dos to reach the goal take time. And when you've overloaded your goal list, then you're setting yourself up immediately from a prioritization step because you may go to the least high on the priority list and go to the shiniest one on there. Oh, I'm going to spend so much time launching a YouTube channel. And then you spend all that time there, but skip out on the to-dos of your revenue generating activities. You've just set yourself up, you know, a place of struggle and we don't want that in business at all. So I think scheduling it's like, let's be real, because we, like you said, you only have so much time on your calendar. And I think this is where it really becomes important to, like you were talking about in our last episode of mapping out those push and pull seasons so that you know when you're going to have the time and space to do this. And all you said, like setting like the priorities for your goals, because there's about 50 things that I want to do in my business right now. But there's things that should be definitely be prioritized first. So then the second part that's really important and one of the big shifts that I think my clients feel when they start working with me or you just start bringing on a team in general is that increased accountability because you're not just answered to yourself. Yeah. Which like my bosses are really like myself bosses are really lenient. Same. 
I'm like, no, girl, you're tired. Take the day. Take the day. <laughs> yeah, but I totally feel that too because I've had clients who have the means, they have the knowledge to move forward on certain areas of their business. But until they bring someone in that they can vocally talk through things, that they can actually map out stuff. And even if it's just talking at me and not like having this collaborative experience, it makes a world of a difference when you have someone in business. It's like a coworker back in corporate that can help you push through the lack of fun stuff and really get to the part that brings action and ideas forward. So I totally hear you on that because. I'm so lenient. I'm like, I'm not a boss. I am an employee and someone needs to tell me what to do, but it can't be me. <laughs> someone yeah. tell me to do. <laughs> I, have one, I have one client who just loves to like schedule like project calls. And literally most of the time, it's just me watching her work and her thing. But it's like that enforced accountability of she's going to focus and work. And I'm like there to brainstorm. But a lot of it is like have like outside force yeah. to help you get it done. I think this is especially, I know we talked about human design briefly, but like it just came up as like really especially important for people that are manifestors and projectors because they do not have their own motor center. So being able to feed off of other people's energy is going to be super important. So if you're one of those things, I would toy with just finding an accountability partner and then Another thing that it could be really helpful if you're having, maybe it's not just getting it done, but it's more like a mindset is that's where you're going to work with the coach. Um, it's going to, you can push back the, past those things that may be holding you back. And then a third thing with accountability is like using your project management system. So when you're scheduling out the time to get it done, putting it in your project management system and establishing routines where you're checking in on that regularly. So I have my like morning routine where I can check in on my task and like, Oh, I may have so many tasks. I do a lot of shifting around in my notion, but it doesn't, the tasks don't go away. They still get done and mm -hmm. see it every day is like a layer of accountability for me to get those things done. Yeah. And then some more support. I think it's making it fun. So setting milestones, reward systems, like when you have to eat a frog, giving yourself some motivation, get through it. So I will work, I will reward myself with trips to the thrift store because I love to go thrifting. I've been like, you cannot go thrifting until you write this email sequence. <laughs> like, yeah, I am. I need to do that, but I am. I spoil myself, and I need to. I need to have that self control to withhold the rewards because any little thing. Well, we completed all our tasks this week. Reward. And it's like tasks I would have had to get done regardless. So I totally hear that. But yeah, it's when you can gamify it, it really does make it easier to do and consume it and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like trying to make the mundane parts of it fun. Um, for me, this is like about weaving in a lot of creativity into the task. So if I'm yesterday, for example, I was redoing my pin post. I feel like everybody's doing that redoing their pin post for the new year. And I was like, really getting stuck on it. I wanted it to be creative. I can't just do something that's creative and fun. How can you make it more fun or like tap into the things that like you would find more enjoyable about this? And then also setting some co constraints around it. So like, when I went to go do my pin post yesterday, this might be totally off topic, but just opening up a blank page in Canva was like, I don't even know where to start. So. <laughs> 
I create a market and found like a little $12 template. And I was like, okay, at least I have guardrails now. And I definitely got that a lot different faster. So knowing yourself, knowing your like strengths, knowing your opportunities and being able to adjust and support yourself in creating those goals. So some prompts for this section of setting your goal is how soon can you get started? <laughs> What's a realistic time frame? What barriers or obstacles do you have to overcome? Or what is your biggest concern? And then what other supportive resources do you need to have in place? So okay. those are for that. The how is really like my gap, but I'm going to use our system here to really make sure that I do hows on my goals because I already have my goals set for the year. So it'd be fun to break them out into these three criteria so that they're one, I can either eliminate some that I'm like, yeah, that's a next year thing. Um, yeah. But I think it's one of the most eye-opening things about how people operate in small businesses or in entrepreneurship versus corporate is that most times corporate have five plus year plans. And I think that that's something like is very, very foreign to the online space, the smaller business type of person is that they are very constricted to this is my year and this is the goal for it. But I think it's like really important to know that you can say that's a 2025 goal or that's mm -hmm. a goal that I'm not going to focus on until these milestones are hit. And whether that is a year, two years, three years, we're not looking at it in this short term, like super siloed planning aspect. I don't know if you noticed that from your experience with corporate and like small business. I think it's the same thing. And I, it's something that I've tried to and to figure out for myself with being more intentional. Is like, like I said, I have a daughter who is graduating in four years. And I feel like that point in my life can change drastically because I'm no longer tied to bringing her to school every day. Like she is planning on moving out of the country, like go to college in France. I might not even have a kid here. Yeah. I might not have a kid here anymore. So it's like what for me, that's like easy to look ahead to four years and okay in four years I want to be able to follow her to Europe or do this so what do I need to do in my business to make that true and I think that's what the part that gets missed is like what do I want my life to look like in four years and then what do I need to do this year in my business to support that goal I heard this I think it was from Vision Lakiani too about there's a YouTube that I'll link about him his goal setting process but he says, as humans, we overestimate what we can get done in one year, but we underestimate what we can get done in three years. So it's like like we're setting like these a bunch of different goals that we want to get accomplished in 2024. Push those out because you're probably not thinking what you can get done in 2020. I have no idea what year it is anymore. 2025. <laughs> <laughs> totally. What else? powerful statement that's so true because if i think three years ago year one baby business owner rachel some of the things that i'm prioritizing now i'm like man i still haven't figured that out but if i was just more focused back then on really narrowing down certain things but i think another thing that i really want to make sure that is like important to think about is like you have so many business owners who are so reactive in how they generate money in their business and how they grow their business that's like you don't want social media to be and this is like my email marketing right you don't want social media to be your primary 
revenue generator. Because in 10 years, when you're 45 years old, do you still want to be trying to figure out the real algorithms? Is that your desire then? Or is it, no, I want to lean into these more foundational pillars of my business. And sure, I still have a content strategy, but like that's how these goals should be like shifting at least your thought and your prioritization as you're planning. Because it shouldn't just be oh, I want to figure out how to make this much money. It's like, how do I build my lifestyle that I want now and in five years into my life that it's stepping stones instead of rebuilds every single year? Yes, I love that. To recap for intentional goals, here are our three criteria to set our intentional goal. Um, know your why. Connect it to your deeper desire and how you want to feel. Know your what at ambitious goals that are rooted in reality. And then know your how. This is all about putting the supports in place to actually achieve those goals. So those are the three things to set intentional goals that you will actually achieve. And I would say always aim for quality over quantity, because if you happen to hit that goal, you can always add a new one. Exactly. All right. So until next week, rooting for you.